Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I hope you can tell I've got a new microphone. I'd previously been using my phone's microphone to record these podcasts and sending it to my laptop to edit, but finally bought a proper USB microphone to hopefully improve the quality of these podcasts. So for the first episode today, we have one of my favorite aviation stories slash crashes ever, the Miracle on the Hudson. Let's get into it. Dual engine loss over the most densely populated area on the planet. This is the story of the Miracle on the Hudson. U.S. Airways Flight 1549 was an Airbus A320 flying from New York to Guardia Airport on the 15th of January 2009, destined for Charlotte Douglas International with a direct onward service to Seattle. The captain and pilot in command was Captain Chelsea Sullenberger, aged 57, and at the time he had a total of 19,663 total flight hours, with 4,765 hours in an A320. The first officer of the flight was Jeffrey Skiles, aged 49 and had 20,727 career flight hours, with 37 in an A320, but this was his first A320 assignment as pilot flying, a huge variation in experience between the two pilots. On board the flight were 155 souls consisting of 150 passengers, 3 flight attendants and 2 pilots. At 3.24pm, the flight was cleared for takeoff from the Guardia's runway 4, 3.25 p.m., 700 feet above the ground, the crew made his first report, climbing as usual. The weather at the time was 10 miles visibility with broken clouds at 3,700 feet, with 8 knots of wind from 290 degrees. At 3.26, a minute later, Sullenberger remarked to First Officer Skiles, what a beautiful view of the Hudson today. A minute later, at 3.27, during the climb out, the plane struck a flock of Canadian geese at 2,818 feet of altitude at around four and a half miles northwest of LaGuardia Airport. Both engines had completely shut down. Captain Sullenberger took control of the aircraft while First Officer Skiles worked through the checklist for engine restart, but both engines were destroyed completely from the burst strike and unable to be restarted, the single lowest dual engine loss in the history of aviation. Immediately, Captain Sullenberger turned on his APU as almost all of the power in the aircraft was lost. Doing this allowed the plane to still be manoeuvrable in the skies as the A320 is a fly-by-wire system that relies on electricity to power the hydraulic systems. According to the engine restart checklist, this is the 15th thing to do. Had Sullenberger followed the checklist properly, everyone on board will most likely be dead. The aircraft slowed but continued to climb for another 19 seconds, reaching an altitude of 3,060 feet at an airspeed of 185 knots. They then begun their glide ascent, accelerating to 210 knots, and descending through 1,650 feet at 3.28 and 10 seconds. Captain Sullenberger and First Officer Skiles now faced a grave decision. Attempt to return to an airport and possibly kill others on the ground, or land in the freezing Hudson River. At 3.27 and 33 seconds, Sullenberger radioed a mayday to New York terminal radar approach. Uh, this is uh, Cactus 1539, hit birds, so LaGuardia. Air Traffic Controller Patrick Harson told LaGuardia Tower to hold all departures and direct Sullenberger to runway 31. Sullenberger responded with, Unable. Although not stated on the radio, ATC controllers thought that they were dealing with an incident that would turn out tragically. Sullenberger asked controllers for other landing options in New Jersey, mentioning Teterboro Airport. Permission was granted to land on Teterboro's runway 1. Initially, Sullenberger responded with yes, but then quickly reassessed the situation and stated, this would be the last ever message sent to ATC from Flight 1549. 
The aircraft passed less than 900 feet above the George Washington Bridge. Sullenberger commanded over the cabin address system to brace for impact, to which the flight attendants relayed the commands to the passengers, informing them of the proper brace position, as many had not read the safety card on their seat, just thinking there would be another traditional flight. Meanwhile, air traffic control asked the Coast Guard to caution vessels in the Hudson and asked them to prepare to help with the rescue. Around a minute and a half later, at 3.31pm, the plane landed in the middle of the North River section of the Hudson, at around 125 knots. Very quickly, water began to rush into the aircraft, but luckily, the A320 has a ditch switch to close off the cabin and reduce how much water could get inside of the plane. What a perfect plane for the accident. The tide then began to take the aircraft in a southward direction. In order to evacuate, Sullenberger opened the cockpit door and gave the orders to evacuate. The crew began to evacuate passengers through the four overwing window exits into an inflatable slide deployed from the right passenger door. The plane had begun to fill with water even faster as someone had opened the left rear door in a state of panic, allowing more water to enter the plane. Water was also entering through a hole in the fuselage and through cargo doors that had been forced open during the landing. Flight attendants very quickly evacuated everyone from the aircraft. Sullenberger then walked the cabin twice to confirm it was empty. Amazingly, due to the perfection of Sullenberger's landing, the plane had landed in such an angle that the plane was floating perfectly on the water as if it was a boat. But that is far from the end of the story. The air temperature outside was a freezing negative 7 degrees Celsius, and the water was near freezing at 5 degrees Celsius. The danger very quickly went from finding a safe place to land to the serious danger of freezing to death. Most people waited on the semi-submerged slides in knee-deep water, while others stood on the wings for him for their lives. One man even jumped into the river and swam to a nearby boat. Two New York waterway ferries arrived on scene within minutes and immediately began taking people on board using ladders. Numerous other boats, including the US Coast Guard, were also very quickly on scene to assist in getting people off the sinking plane and getting them warm. Captain Sullenberger advised the ferry crews to rescue those on the wings first as they were in a more life-threatening situation than those on the slides, which detached from the aircraft to become life rafts. The last person was taken from the plane at 3.55pm, just 24 minutes after landing in the river. Around 140 New York City firefighters responded to nearby docks, so did police, helicopters and police scuba divers. In total, passengers and crew sustained 95 minor and 5 serious injuries, with the worst being a deep laceration in the leg of one of the flight attendants, although with that being one of the worst injuries in the plane and no deaths, it really is a miracle. Each passenger later received a letter of apology alongside $5,000 in compensation for lost baggage and a refund of their ticket price. In May 2009, passengers were also given any belongings that had been recovered from the crash. They were also given offers of $10,000 each in return for agreeing not to sue US Airways. However, many passengers later experienced post-traumatic stress symptoms leading them to begin an email support group to help one another. So where is the aircraft now? While well, the aircraft was purchased by the Carolinas Aviation Museum in Charlotte, North Carolina, where it and its engines were put on display. So the aircraft made it to its intended destination after all, albeit a little wet and scratched up. Flight attendants later described the ditching in the water as a hard landing, with one impact, no bounce, and a gradual deacceleration. In my words, perfection. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you watch the Sully movie. It's amazing and it really puts into perspective how much of a miracle this event really was and what Sullenberger and Scouts had to go through after the accident. To summarise, all 155 people on board, including two newborn babies, survived a water landing in the middle of New York with an outside air temperature of negative 7 degrees Celsius.
Sullenberger and Skiles followed a phrase that all pilots follow to perfection, aviate, navigate, communicate. They did not let the distractions of anything, such as the repeated mention of other runways and air force through the radio, distract them from flying the plane and saving everyone on board, even if that did mean very limited communication to the ATC controllers after the Mayday call. Thank you everyone for listening to today's podcast and make sure you follow for more podcasts just like this one and make sure to give my Instagram a follow at jack.planepigs to see my aviation photography. Bye.